Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Is This Music, a podcast about the mysteries of musical taste, why we love the music we love and hate what we hate. My guest on the show today is Taylor Savvy, um, a Canadian musician who's been based in Berlin for the last 20 years or so. He's an old friend of mine, a good friend, and someone who's introduced me to a lot of amazing music, and someone who's always kind of amazed me with uh, not only his knowledge of music, but his enthusiasm and passion as a listener. And in this conversation, we get into musical obsession and fandom and what's behind it. It's an interesting conversation. You know, really, I guess this show is by, about, and for music nerds when it comes right down to it. And let me tell you something. Uh, you, the listener, are part of a very elite, exclusive group. Um, I think this is a pretty good podcast. I've, obviously, I'm biased, but I, I have pretty discerning taste. It's, I think it's pretty good. And I'd love to get it out uh, to a bigger audience. Um, I'll keep my hustle on on my end, and I'll keep trying to produce the very best shows that I possibly can. Um, and you, the listener, can help out as well. And yes, I'm talking to you, the individual listening right now. You can go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get this, give us a rating, leave a review, and most importantly, spread the word. Tell a friend, post it on your own social media, just pass it on. It's the only way it's going to get out to uh, the audience that I humbly submit it deserves. And uh, I don't just want to nag the people who haven't done that. I also want to thank the people who have done that. Uh, I appreciate it. It really means a lot and it really makes a difference. So without further ado, enjoy my talk with Taylor Savvy on what is this music. So uh, Taylor Savvy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Malcolm. Thanks for having me. So I was thinking about how I could introduce how we know each other, but it goes back a long way. We were roommates in, in for a, a short but uh, fruitful time mm -hmm. in the in the mid late nineties, and you recorded a whole bunch of things for me in the Toronto years. Well, we did um, lots together. Yeah, yeah, we toured with uh, Leslie Feist and Nathan Lahr. Um, it was all around the uh, turn of the millennium, very, uh, I mean, for me, it was a super productive time. Yeah. And a strange time, technology, like why is that? It was just before the advent of everybody filming and documenting everything. So like, I think, I think for the both of us and a lot of people that we were doing shows with that, it's this weird lost time of like, it's, it's, it's not a given that everything is uploaded immediately and done. I, I get, there's so many shows I've done, which I wish I could have some, some inkling of like, oh, was, did that really happen? You know, I'd love to see some video footage. But, yeah, well, yeah. you know, um, Lisa Kanako filmed a lot of stuff. I, ha I have like several VHS tapes of shows that she filmed. And I think at one point that was all given over to Peaches for her archives. Okay, so, okay. Uh, you might have to drop the Peach a line if you want to... Uh, uh, you know, an, an, an inside scoop on some of those shows. <laughs> yeah. it was, it was, I mean, Lisa filmed a lot of them. I haven't seen most of them, but yeah, I have this one memory of a show that where <laughs> you and I were like, 
I think it was a Peach's <laughs> show, and you and I were doing push-ups on stage with like Peach and Feist sitting on our backs. And yeah. I like, I hope that somebody filmed that because I, I would like to see that one of these days. That I think is from a Maki gig at Say What, isn't it? Well, I, you know, again, who can say? But the, the, that there that footage is out there, or it yeah. has it has been been filmed <laughs> yeah but it's also a trick of the memory that's kind of hilarious too and it's like oh the good stuff never really gets recorded <laughs> yeah 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 for sure for sure i, but I yeah. remember that with my old band permanent stains like i made a point <laughs> of filming all the shows and then uh -huh. at a certain point i was like you know this just isn't worth it anymore but i'm really glad that i did capture the stuff that i did because it's totally crazy and uh Somehow, with quite a bit of effort, I was able to to compile a little kind of greatest hits video when we did our 30th anniversary tour a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, I wish I was there for that tour. I wish I could have seen some of those shows. But I guess I can just, I can just see the video footage, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the Toronto show was, is, uh, <laughs> is on YouTube. But anyway, um, yeah. so... Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted so getting around to the point. Like I, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk to you for for this podcast because it's all about like musical taste and kind of like the craziness of, yum, yum. of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like you're someone who's always like had really strong opinions and really like um, who who digs deep into music. Um, so I kind of I think part of what I wanted to talk about is just like. Um, the mentality of the music obsessive somehow. Um, and uh, one of the things that we connected on early on was like <laughs> a, a, a childhood and early adolescence obsession with Rush. Oh, yeah. And somehow Rush, I mean, Rush in the past few years has kind of enjoyed a bit of a critical renaissance, I think, in that like they were always kind of considered this weird cult band. But I think the fact that they were around for so long, they're, they're so unique, for better or worse, and they were <laughs> huge. Like they were filling stadiums, you know, for 20, 30 years. So at a certain point, they just couldn't be ignored anymore um, just because the band is so weird. Um, but uh, anyway... Uh, all of that is just to say that like a lot has been said about them, but I feel like not a ton has been said about like their fan mentality, which is like their fans are particularly weird. And I, I, I can think I can say that because I am one or was one or, or have been one. I sometimes call myself a recovering Rush fan, but um, I remember when we were roommates, uh, we took on the project of listening to all their albums in a row. Oh, God, and, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, and Gonzo, who was our other roommate, just came in one day and, like, I'll never forget the, the look of contempt on his face. Like, he just didn't, he was not feeling this Rush marathon that, yeah. that we had. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but do you remember, like, <laughs> that feeling of, uh, of obsession as a kid? Like, I, I, I don't know if this is this, the case for you, but for me, like for a few years and formative years, they were like almost <laughs> the only band that I listened to. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's the recovering part? What's, what's well, the... <laughs> for me, there was a point, like I guess it started to change when I discovered like 
the Ramones and punk rock, which is kind of like the antithesis of Rush, musically speaking. And and then I just kind of started to turn my back on it. And I was like, oh, you know, this music's fucking ridiculous. Um, (laughs) And then later in life, I kind of was like, it's just what I guess it's kind of like a microcosm of, I don't know, the wisdom of maturity or I don't know what, but I was like, okay, yes, Rush is fucking ridiculous, but I love it anyway. And I'm not, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop denying yeah, yeah. that part of myself. Yeah. I, uh, I hear you. I mean, it's a, it's a definite struggle, but, it, but it's worth asking, asking oneself, like, what is this struggle? Like, really? You're stressing that you like, uh, a type of music over another one. Like just, I'm just thinking big picture, Mal, because uh-huh. I definitely uh, like, I think every single Rush fan because their kind of high time was in that like late seventies, mid seventies to the eighties. Generally people talk about that as the golden era. So it's this uh-huh. weird thing that a lot of people, I think you and I, we were in that because of a lot of reasons. I thought there's, it's still really exciting music. Lyrically, they're different than other bands. Musically, they were much more adventurous than most. And at that time, it seems like they were really embracing technology. Like, they wanted to stay on top. It was clear they were listening to, you know, the new uh, Police album at the time. And then Signals comes out with kind of this reggae-ish track. It's like, so everything was kind of together, kind of in this beautiful... um, they were valid. It was a thing. It was okay to like that band. And then later it became a little yeah. odd when they, when they when styles changed so much that even Rush couldn't keep up after ten years or something. And that's that's a huge achievement anyway. But yeah, <clears throat> but I, I remember. I, I remember. <laughs> go ahead. I was just gonna say that like <laughs> I, for a while the, the the kind of typical line on them was like love them or hate them. You have to admit that that they're 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 original and they've never like followed the trends. And my brother was like. That's so not true. Like they just never successfully <laughs> followed the trends. Like, sure. In fact, you know, ever, from day one, they were always like trying to follow trends, whether it was like bar rock, prog rock, yeah, synth music, reggae, like you were saying. But yeah, but they just it never quite. It always turned into their own warped version of it. It's true until this weird thing, like when you you mentioned like. Of course, the, your podcast is the the subject about about taste and stuff like that. But what about like the idols that we have, and what about their tastes? Aren't these people allowed to change? I mean, musicians just you know when they embrace something so hardcore in terms of like you know being in a band and all you do is this tour rec- record cycle thing for a long time, <clears throat> like I don't know. It's kind of I think it's totally un. Um, it's not fair to somehow assume. Like you know, that rush would be on top of things, you know, that like the new Getty Lee solo album is going to be all trap beats, you know, like, <laughs> like why, on the other hand, like why not? And there'd be a certain faction of fans that would be like, yeah, I'm down with this. Like, this is cool. At least he's trying, you know, but there's just so much music to embrace in the world. Like on the other hand, Mal, I think it's, it's okay to like a band for a few years and then like, Yeah. Put it to rest. You, you, one has learned as much as one can from a certain ideology of of a group of people, and it's like, yeah, that's, that's okay. That was a kid, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, I just I'm just going to say that's okay. But um, just to truncate your story with another one, that I, I remember this time of like the late nineties when I actually uh, I was in Steve's Music in Toronto, the big music outlet there, and wouldn't you know it, like 
Getty Lee is standing right beside me. So I, I walked in there to get some bass strings or something like that. And, and I'm just, all of a sudden, I felt myself in this bizarre situation. That like, okay, here, I'm standing beside my idol for so long. Like, just in so many ways. Not only that, yeah, I like the music, and then technically I like his bass playing, and then on the other hand, like, oh, I really respect the fact that this band Rush, like, that they've... Um, They've retained all of their friendships with their crew and everybody involved in the thing. The family thing is definitely like, it's a safety zone. I can totally, uh, totally get with, and I respect that. Anyway, my point is, is that I'm standing there in Steve's music beside Getty Lee, but I'm in this too cool for school phase, you know? It's just like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I used to like Rush. And I'm standing there and I'm just, I, like, I wish I had... And I wish everybody, I hope this technology exists where you could just like tape your thoughts, like, please. Cause I would love to go back and like have that moment in time. Just like, okay, I just want to kind of, what were my internal thoughts? Because I was freaking out because on one hand I'm like, okay, I want to say hello. Obviously he's a hero of mine. On the other hand, like, I don't want to come off as stupid. So what I ended up doing, <laughs> of course I came off as stupid. I just like really cool. It's like, Hey, uh, are you checking that uh, preamp out over there? Yeah, I hear that's a really good one, too. And he just kind of looked at me and said, yeah, 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 I heard it's really good. And that was our whole conversation. <laughs> it was like, really? Kind of after the fact, I wonder, like, what is the best best approach for a super fan? Do you, do you go up and just gush? And like your, your other guest... Uh, um, uh, Michelle from the Turbo House was was uh -huh. talking about that story about her weird owl tattoo, which was amazing, you know. And so I wish I had that moment. But at the at the other hand, it's like, yeah, but you just want to retain your dignity on some level, you know. Of like, just like, can't we just see eye to eye just for a second here? Yeah, <laughs> anyway, anyway, that, that's my Getty Lee story of like, if I would have met him at another time in my life, it would have been a completely different, different situation. But, but I'm glad yeah. I at least, you know, saw him and, and smelled him up close, but uh, <laughs> that's as far as it got. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and you and I, I think have seen this with um, some of our friends who've achieved a certain success is that like, it can be weird when, you know, when fans come up, I mean, I've, you know, never really experienced this myself, but I've certainly seen it secondhand when like fans can, can be strange, like, and it's a weird kind of mind fuck because you, you know, in like, as an, as a performing artist, you're kind of like <laughs> doing what any therapist says you shouldn't do, which is like depending <laughs> on other people's validation for your own for your own well-being christ and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but then um but then like that validation can take so many forms and like it's so easy for a fan to sort of like step over the line like it me it's so gratifying when someone expresses uh you know ex expresses their fandom but then like it can get weird yeah. pretty easily right yeah i uh, yeah for a million reasons or maybe just just a few reasons. But yeah, you're right. I mean, is it really any different than uh, having like a super crush on somebody in your classroom when you're in, I don't know, uh, 14 years old? It's this weird, like, you, you, be, you, um, what's the phrase? Like you, you become another person. Your, your, your self seems to split almost into two pieces. On one uh -huh. hand, you're the rational one. And on the other hand, you're, you're the super stan that like freaks out. Like it's another short story is that I, growing up, kind of um, 
I, I was a music freak as you were too but specifically for quite a while i was a bass freak so i uh-huh. a bass bass guitar was my first instrument and at a quite young age i went to go see a concert by uh, my hero at the time jaco pistorius you know one okay. of the the greats you know and and um so i went to go see him with a friend and my friend's dad as a chaperone because we were underage and so we go to see this gig and i just i found myself at this gig um my inner Stan fan came out at the worst time. I learned a lot about myself at this. Okay. Um, but the point is, is that the, the concert, you know, we were just loving it. And there was a point in the concert where there's an organ, um, there's an organ that somehow was in the hall. So at some point, Jacko Pastorius kind of did a moment, had his moment with the organ. So he's like, ah, let me just improvise for a while. I'm going to do a couple songs on this organ because it's here. And somehow it was all good. But in the, in the middle of his thing, for some strange reason, I can never really understand. I, I felt it was okay to scream his name out in like the <laughs> void of just like, just as a kid, I, I must've been thinking, I'm so happy I'm here. He's, I, I want to let him know I'm here. So I'm sure there's, a, there's an audio tape of this gig. I think it was like Convocation Hall or Massey Hall or something in 1980 or soon after that, where it was like he'd be doing this really somber, beautiful organ melody. And then you hear some asshole in the background yell, Jacko! <laughs> I want to hear this. I definitely want to hear this tape because... Because, well, yeah, that was my moment. I kind of realized, like, oh, why did I do that? I actually, I, I couldn't even control myself. I just did it. So maybe yeah. it's that same thing of, like, when you meet your idol, too. It's, it's, uh, that's a fascinating psychological zone to be in that I think uh, a lot of people fall into. But not everybody. Like, Mal, do you think everybody has this, um, this viewpoint on people? Like, are there people in the world that don't stand on anybody, do you think? Um, well, maybe. I mean... I think that it, I, 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 I'm totally talking out of my ass when I say this, but I think that like, probably that happens to people in childhood and early adolescence. And like so many things of that time of life, I think many, if not most people probably suppress it when Mm -hmm. they, when they become adults and it's and it's only like <laughs> the, the misfits or like you know uh weirdo lifers uh like you know p- potentially like ourselves who like s- somehow cl- still access that part of their um of their mentality <laughs> but i don't know i mean that's that's like off the top of my head but coming back to something that you said uh earlier <laughs> <laughs> you, you 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 you'd mentioned the fact that like it's okay to be into a band or an artist for a few years and then move on and that's very true but i never i think that i it took me a very long time to understand that and like coming back to rush like i kept buying their albums long after i didn't like them anymore uh-huh um i mean i say long it was probably only 2 or 3 years but you know <laughs> it was like it was still a bit painful to realize, wait, I don't need to keep buying these records anymore. I don't enjoy listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, but it's the completest mentality. And for some reason, for the longest time, I only liked bands that had like 20 albums. You know, like it's like 
whether it was Pink Floyd or even like <laughs> later the Ramones, like, and like there was no question that I had to get them all. Right, right. Even if it's like a greatest hits, which is all songs that you already have, like, it's this yeah. weird. It's the I guess it's the collector mentality. Yeah, and it's kind of like the, these people perhaps offer a um, like a taste making. Um, uh, what's the the phrase? Like the gatekeepers, you know. So so the fact, like as we talked before, like Rush doing a reggae thing, like uh-huh. it's a total common thing that okay, then you would if you like that song, then you'd go and you'd see the first reference point. Oh, okay, it's the police, and then you go, okay, where are the police getting it from? Ah, maybe British ska, and then ska. Ah, and that leads back to the island. Okay, so we're in Jamaica now. Cool. I mean, that's <clears throat> I don't know. Isn't that? Uh, isn't that all okay? Am I making any sense with that? I, I think it's great. I mean, I don't know. Again, it's like a... I think that's what, you know, music nerds and obsessives do. And, I, yeah. and that's... It's good. I mean, you know, it's cool. There's so much to discover. Yeah. Um, but um, we were talked about, like, uh, <laughs> you know, young... Like, the way that young people listen to music. And I was just curious, because you have a, a young daughter... Um, and so I, I imagine that you um, have some insight into that from uh, from a you know from now from a different perspective of someone like outside yourself. Uh, do you notice like, and of course you know with the technology angle, the way that kids listen to music is completely different. But what do you see about like the way that she listens to music and what her obsessions are? Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm at a, at a. I just can see it as somewhat of a, a fortunate view from the the hilltop here, just because um, like I've always tried to keep abreast of the top sounds. That's something somehow always, even as a little kid, I always wanted to know, even if I didn't like it, like okay, what are the top ten hits, or what are the, <clears throat> what what do the charts say of this this area of this time? I think that's it always gives me a kick because I, I always love hearing kind of new sounds as well as ear candy, as well as new melodies and new weird cross hatch things. I don't think that's anything unusual, but, mm-hmm. um, but I think having, having an 11 year old daughter on the, like, um, the way TikTok is influencing things, I see it much more clear and, and day to day as, as maybe I wouldn't, if I didn't, if I, uh, didn't have her around. So the interesting thing is this weird, um, what I found one of the most weird things is how the music industry and specifically the technique of songwriting is adapting to that application on your phone. I think that's a weird or a very odd thing (laughs) to somehow, to somehow realize like, okay, if, because TikTok is such a short platform as far as you can't really upload super long stuff. So often... I'm just saying this from my perspective and the stuff I'm used to because I personally don't have the app, but I get tons of like music tips from my daughter who is on that. And, and so we look at them and very often it's a situation where somebody will do like a, a funny dance move or something, but the song will be played, uh, a song will be played and just a short snippet of it. So like a 12 second thing. And maybe that short snippet will be looped three times. So it's, we're just looking at a four second loop of something. The cool thing about the app, though, or what I like as a um, someone in the music industry, is that it actually you have to you have to give credit where it's due. So the cool thing is that you can always find that song. 
So whatever song somebody does, a stupid video of them and their friends in the park doing this flip thing, a bottle flip, I don't know what, is accompanied by the audio of some new song from somebody. And that is really easy to find. Okay, what is this song here, actually? Because the 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 video itself or the meme might be viral just because of the the video, the visual uh-huh. aspect of it. But then you get this other side of like, okay, why is this song a number one song? That happened a bunch. I think a few years ago... Um, Remember that group, uh, what were they called? Uh, Ray Sremmerd? Yeah. In mm-hmm. any case, it was like Mike Will made it, was the, the producer behind that crew, and they did tons of songs for other people and stuff. And they had, um, what the hell was it? This number one hit. Um, anyway, it was the first time I had realized, like, why is this song? Like, I don't hear this anywhere in, in my surroundings. Um, so how did it become a hit? And I realized, oh, damn, it's this Black Beatles song. So they they did a tune called Black Beatles and they did a video, but it was connected with a, like this kind of uh, still challenge thing that you go through the room and everybody looks like a statue. And even Paul okay. McCartney, Paul McCartney joined in. It's like, hey, yeah, Black Beatles forever. Here's my version of it. So it became a huge success based mostly on the visual stuff. And this, mm-hmm. this is the flip around too that I'm seeing of like the context um, I think like everywhere, but if you don't have the context for something, it's really confusing to be like, why is this a hit actually? And, and you wanted to talk before about K-pop and like, I, I find K-pop super interesting for that reason that it's, um, okay. On one hand, like it's the top chart sounds. We're not really looking for anything new here, but we're looking for this shiny, the brand new sounds and the same old structures of songs. So we got what verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, maybe chorus out. So we don't have intros anymore. We don't need outros anymore. Just bang right into the song. <laughs> and the strange thing of how little it actually, or not how little, but it's a complete package that's being sold. And maybe in a way, like, you're a huge Kiss fan, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I I I like Kiss, and I would still stand behind like you know the first few albums to yeah. this day even though yeah. like there's so much to to hate or to make fun of sure uh, <laughs> but in the same kind of way that i i can't help but make the connection between a lot of k-pop and a band like kiss because it's a complete entertainment package that you're you're presented with right away so um with k-pop like it's like some of the band like bts i don't know if you've heard of them but they're the top band and they they really are like the giants of the industry now because they they've found uh, mainstream English language success as as well now. So it's a mm-hmm. it's a, well, it's a kind of it's possible to not have heard of them. They're they're huge, right? But I don't know the, any of their songs. Right, right, right. Yeah, and a lot of it comes down to this thing. Like, okay, let's just take the best parts of boy bands from the '90s that we know. So the dance moves are now like so pumped up, and and I think. Part of that reason people love to see the dancing, it's a cyclical thing, of course, every 15 years, like, oh yeah, dance is cool again, you know? But to see that up again and see like, hey, nobody's been doing this for so long, like all the hip hop stars, even though like dance is one of the the four tenements of hip hop is, you know, Uh KRS-One tells everybody. But but it's like how many people actually do that, you know? And how how the, the standards of certain live shows and presentations have just like... You know, they've squandered their their history so far. So bringing dance back is a huge part of it. And I know it sounds not exciting, but somehow the the whole package of seeing like 
um, a group of you know five plus people, not age wise, but five people actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's some groups. There's one. What do they call it? Like NC twenty one or something. And they're, they're, there's twenty one people in the band. I think. Okay. I, I really think like some of these shows. They're so bizarre for those reasons because. Um, the hell was that band called? Um, regardless, it's kind of like if you have a talent show, but nobody uh, gets kicked out. Everybody just becomes in the band right away. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes me think of like, you know, MC Hammer notoriously had like a like a twenty person crew on stage with him, and I think that's part of why he went bankrupt in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy, man. <laughs> yeah. But there's so there's some genres definitely I'm uh, because of the like like K-pop it's really just because of the the application that it's coming from and the the place that it's coming from. It's like they're, they're like I like super positive songs, I like uh, super hooky songs, I like uh, you know a cool presentation where it looks like everyone in the band is getting along well, like it's a set, everyone's on the same page. Um there's no awkwardness. I don't know. I know in two years, I'm not going to be listening to them. So this is the other aspect of like, okay, I, I, it's okay somehow. And maybe like you said, it's a, it's getting an older, I don't know what, a more uh, understanding of one's own tastes and do you need them or not and things like that. But, but um, like it's okay. It's okay not to love everything a band does, I think. Even though you and I come from the same place of like, yeah, but I wanted to buy all the albums from Rush too, you know? But let me ask you this. Uh If I'm just going, let me try to tighten up the the thing here. Just to ask like, okay, in certain types of cultural creative zones, like how much do you need to actually get you excited? I mean, it's it's, everyone has a different answer for this, but, but sometimes... It only needs to be one song. Sometimes you there's, for instance, like, I don't know, I'll just use rap as, a, as an example, but there's certain rappers that just have like one punchline that is so good that it makes you a fan for the rest of your life. Uh-huh. You know, a, a lot of that stuff is so apparent in the, the crazy misogyny of so much hip hop could only exist if it was that kind of amnesia happening you know it's just like that one line is so good so let's forget the 68 other lines in this song (laughs) which i'm totally guilty of too you know but but um but anyway it's this thing of like okay like like what if a band just has one song i like does that make me less of a fan because i don't have all the records and this stuff and i think it's it's somehow like to answer that question it's important just to break down okay what is the personal and what's the public here what's your own personal tastes that you don't care about what anyone thinks and the more public ones when it's like, oh, I'm embarrassed because I'm, I'm older now and I shouldn't like this. Like these are serious, like dumb things that happen when people get old, you know, they start really stressing out about this shit. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, does that make any sense, Mel? Um, well, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm not sorry. sure if I follow uh, what your question is. Mm. All right. It's basically the question of how much <clears throat> does one need from a creative person to get inspired by them? And I, oh. I'm just po- positing, maybe it's not so much. Maybe it can be one video by a K-pop band that gives you enough like life energy for the next three years, and then you can move on. Absolutely. Or, Listen, I, I don't th- think it even needs to be a full song. Like, there's, right. Right. there's entire... Like, okay... First of all, I think that for <laughs> most people, um, 
the the way of listening to music has changed so much in like basically the post album way of listening that comes comes from technology <laughs> like from iTunes to now like Spotify and even before that with like mixtapes and stuff you know some artists bemoan the fact that like people don't listen to to albums and I'm kind of like <laughs> I, I get that but like be let's be real like all the albums you have how many of them are great from start to finish like very few like really the the era of the album uh it it, it was pretty short short-lived in the great greater historical context oh um, yeah but i mean to get more like to your question i think that like for me it doesn't even have to be a whole song like there's there's like an entire uh you know genre of of music at least one entire genre of music where like i i love the chorus i'll sing the hook i don't even know what the verse is <laughs> you know because it's so forgettable um I mean, there's a certain type of music that for me, like, I call it like Northeast Kingdom music because I always hear it uh, at our um, cottage in the Eastern Townships. Which it's a Vermont radio station. And this okay. area of Vermont is called the Northeast Kingdom. And this, the, the, this radio station used to play, now it's more of a top 10 format, but the, for, for a long time it was this like super white bread style of music, like bands that sound like Hootie and the Blowfish was like their biggest influence. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean like when on paper that sounds horrible. And to be honest, most of the songs like they're kind of indefensible. Like there's no way that you could be taken seriously if you went and said like, yes, like I love Matchbox 20. Uh, but like, you know, mm -hmm. you were talking about like the public and private, like I, you know, I guess I'm saying this publicly now, although I always have the option to edit it out, but like there's some of those songs that like, if it comes on the radio, I will totally crank it up, sing along and be happy. It's almost like a, a reverse, a reversal of hipsterism. It's like a contest of like, how uncool can you... <laughs> can you can you be like this is the 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 furthest point of like white bread corporate bland music but like i i can't lie like i will you know i don't want to listen to a record by any of these artists but like if their hit comes on like i said i'll i'll crank it up and be totally singing along with a smile on my face i don't know if that answers your question but like i think that there's like sometimes it's just a part of a song that can that can hook you and and give you that little like serotonin blast we were talking about like musical obsessiveness you know in the context of like young young people do that and then some of us uh you know weird or unfortunate or fortunate i don't know adults uh -huh. still still consume music this way um and somehow it made me think about like I, I don't know if this was the last time that i fell really hard for for music but it was definitely a notable time was like when you introduced me to the uh anthology of american folk music mm -hmm. and uh 
and I think that like you kind of went down a serious rabbit hole with that. Uh, and I sort of got to reap the benefits of like you, you kind of were my gatekeeper or curator for all the, uh, the universe of like folk music and uh, old timey music that you can discover via that. Um, and I'm just curious, like for you, what was the, do you remember what the, what the appeal was of that comp or that music? Yeah. Um, that comp, like I remember I was working at a record shop and I was, um, fortunate enough to have like some real world music lovers and experts, uh, working with me. So I picked up so many tips on kind of non-Western music in general. But that was one of the first ones that I had read about before, like Bob Dylan inspired by this collection and stuff. So um, when I got that collection, yeah, it's kind of a, a special thing only in that the, the topics that are addressed in that particular compilation, the three CD comp from Smithsonian Folkways. And um, a lot of them have this thing that, um, how would I say it? Okay, there's another rabbit hole we can go down. And this is why I'm talking with you, Malcus. No problem. We're the rabbit hole folks. That's anyway, what we're here for. That's what we're here for. The nerds unite. The, the, the one thing that excited me about it is the, um, is the thing a lot of, still I'm, I'm this way, but when I hear music in this particular like framework, I just get excited. Uh, which is to say that when two kind of things are uh, kind of thrown together that shouldn't make sense, and they do. And a lot of that compilation in particular has that thing where it's, um, it kind of serves up a certain platter musically, but when the text comes in, it's coming from a completely different angle and which makes the thing, I don't know, more of a 3D entertainment package. It's like, okay. Um, you and I were talking before about um, something like the new Taylor Swift folk record. You okay. know, and there's just to, to draw like a comparison of like these sounds of, like that are also on this compilation ages ago are not new sounds. They're pretty much acoustic guitars, fiddles, a few banjos in there. And it's not unlike kind of the sounds used in music today, say the new Taylor Swift kind of thing harkens back to that. But it's about the, the text, which is so different. It's not just talking about say, in a Taylor Swift kind of way, like, you know, here's an interesting scenario when two people are meeting, for instance. In, the, in this kind of old, specific child ballads kind of child, he was a um, musicologist that went around and collected a lot of these. So they're called the child ballads. Not that okay. they're for children, but this, this person's name was child. Anyway, a lot of them have this special, like, two-one punch of having, like, one setting where, like, maybe like the Taylor Swift thing, it's like, okay, this sets up a really nice narrative about a, a ballad about two people meeting and how the, the sadness of love and life things that do matter. And we have to hear those things too. On the other hand, though, the other kind of angle is that it plays up, it serves up that food, and then it gives you, it just snatches it away and throws something else in your face. Getting back to a second, for a second to what you were saying, like I remember in the time <laughs> when we were really obsessed with the folk anthology, yeah. Um, Peaches went and got this Ethiopian record uh, by Mary Armaday, I think it was. And she yeah. bought it at like an Ethiopian market. And uh, <laughs> it was like folk music from the same era, like maybe 30s, 40s. But as far as I understood, it was like traditional songs. So maybe songs that were way more ancient than that. 
Huh. And to me, it was like, oh my God, like, this is blues music. This just, just sounds like John Lee Hooker or something. Uh, but yeah. it's like, it's from uh, 30 years earlier from another country. It was just like, you know, you can, it felt like, you know, almost as far as you could go into finding the roots of so much of the music that we enjoy today. Yeah. And it was just such a, such a cool, crazy experience. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, agree. I wonder <laughs> like what, what, what do you think? Like, obviously, you know, we're, we're two music nerds and probably, you know, anyone who's enjoying this show is too, but what do you think is, is behind that sort of obsessive drive to, to find out more and more? Like psychologically, what is that? Yeah, right. It's weird. It's just scratching the same itch for your entire life. It's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think it is? Why do you think why it's still so important through well, throughout an I, entire I, lifetime to have cool taste? Why? I think that, like, you know, if you look at it positively, it's curiosity and open-mindedness and a, and like a desire to learn more. Um, more on the other side, there's an element of like, uh, you know, uh, wanting to know more than other people, like status or, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever the hipster mentality is like, you know, being, being in, in the, being in the, in the insider club of, of knowing something that other people don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think that that's a lot of it. Like if, if we're going to like, you know, psychoanalyze it a bit, I mean, I get it. That's part of like nerd culture in general. It's like, oh yeah, like you won't let me be part of a cool club. Well, I'm going to form my own cool club. And like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's as simple as that. I don't know. I think it is Mal. I mean, all this stuff, like when you start like obsessing on the same things 20 years later in your life, like on one hand you can say like, I got I got to get some new interests man. You know, I got I got to reach out a little more. I got to travel a bit more. Like why am I still here? I don't know. Well, listen man, it's been great uh, having you uh, having you on the show shooting the shit about music uh, as we love to do and as I'm sure we will do many times uh, in the future. Well, I love your show Mel. Yeah, I love the show and thank you so much for having me and uh, it's been wonderful. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for listening. You can find me, Malcolm Fraser, on all the appropriate social media. You can find Taylor Savvy uh, out there, here and there. He keeps it a little mysterious, but some of his music is out there. It's pretty awesome. Check it out. And just so you don't think we're coasting on nostalgia, we have not one but several projects we're working on together. Keep an eye out for them. Um, as I said off the top of the program, don't forget to go give us a rating. Drop us a review, spread the word. If you like the show, I'd appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening. See you next time.